you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Amen. Ears to hear, because we agree. Amen. And all God's children said, Amen. Turn with me over to First Chronicles chapter 12. And guys, we are in, I, I don't need to say this, but I'm going to say this. So I do need to say this, but I have said this. And so you're going to hear it again because I'm going to say it again. Amen. We are in warfare. And it's not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this world. This is not a white problem, not a black problem, not a young problem, not an old problem. It is a sin problem. Sin is running rampant because the devil knows his time is short. And so this is spiritual warfare times two or turbo-powered or however you want to put it. And in First Chronicles chapter 12, David is assembling his men for battle. And it comes down to verse 32 talking about the sons of Issachar. And these were 200 of the tribe of Issachar that were mighty men, David's mighty men. And it says this in First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, those from Issachar, the men who understood the times... And knew what Israel should do. Should do. They understood the times and knew what Israel should do. And I'm asking us as a church, do we understand the times that we're living in first? Because if we don't, we, we don't know what to do. But until we understand the times we're living in, I don't believe we know. We, we're, we're not going to know what to do. A lot of in the church are standing around with their mouth dropped open and going, what's going on here? And they're seeing Goliath bigger than the power of God. And David was in the place where he understood. These, these mighty men were connected to David more than, they, uh, more than they knew. But David was, as a youth, in a place where he stood before Goliath and understood the times that he was living in and he understood what Israel should do. And what did David say? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Will not somebody go up against this uncircumcised Philistine? (laughs) Do we not understand that the lives of our children and grandchildren and children's children's children, future generations are at stake here? Or are we just content to be blessed and to put some money in our IRA so that we can retire on a beach in paradise and just use up all those monies that we have invested. And are we investing in the future spiritually, guys? I'm not talking about financially. There is a spiritual war going on right now, and the devil is trying to steal, kill, and destroy all that he can. And not only did it happen in El Paso yesterday, but last night there was a mass murder in Dayton, Ohio, in case you haven't heard the news. 
And so now I hope the, new, the, the media is, is smart enough to quit naming these people and putting them up on a pedestal so this copycat stuff can quit. The more we, the more we lift up the enemy and what he's doing, the more he'll do. True? I mean, there's some truth in that. Yes, we need to know, but we don't need to live in fear. And, and, and the church, we need to pray. <laughs> we need to pray. But we need to understand, we do need to understand the times that we're living in. We need to understand that the enemy has attacked this generation more than any other generation. And I'm going to be talking about Generation Z. Who lives in Generation Z? But just, just to say that they've become victims of a fatherless generation. And a fatherless generation. Fathers. Half of them don't know who their father is. But is that their fault? Why hasn't the church adopted? Because one of the things that we're responsible to do is to take care of orphans. But have we ignored the orphans? Have we ignored the widows? And why are they in the state that they're in? I'm, not con I'm, I'm asking questions. I'm not condemning anyone, right? We're all in this together. And our prayer was, Lord, shake us, help us. Let us see what's going on so that we can do something about it. These sons of Issachar, just, they weren't wise or uh, sensitive to this, the, 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 the day and the hour and the times to just sit there or, or to report the news. That wasn't their job. It was, they were mighty men to stand up and do battle. And so we're mighty men, and we've been, been teaching this for eight weeks now, guys. Put on our armor every day because not only the enemy's after us, but he's after your children, your grandchildren. Your neighbors, those that uh, your children go to school with. Listen, if your child has a friend to come over to, to, to your house after school, you have uh, an opportunity to influence that child. Your children have friends, hopefully. And that gives us a doorway to influence people for the Lord. And so the Lord is, is depending on us. I, I truly believe this. This generation is more addicted. There's a huge vape problem, e-cigarettes for youth, nicotine. Now they, now they can, uh, HTC, they, they can make oil of synthetic drugs that these teenagers are vaping. And the, 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 the teachers... The administrators in school don't even understand how this is happening. They ban all of this stuff, but it's still there. Right, guys? Just like in the prison system, the, the prisoners can't have cell phones, but they do. How does that happen? <laughs> we've got to wake up and we've got to understand what's going on. The drugs and the pornography, the human trafficking. Young parents, young parents... Early 20-year-olds are selling their children into human trafficking. How is this right? How can this happen when we are the Christian generation, uh, Christian nation, <laughs> and the chosen generation, and the royal priesthood, and the holy nation, guys? We believe this, but what are we doing about it? Not just for ourselves, 
but for our communities and our neighborhoods. We have the answer, but this answer is not just for us. This, is, this answer has to be multiplied and increased and propagated. The seed has to be sown. Bullying is a huge issue today with our children. And bullying just isn't kids seeing other kids down the hall and saying, after the next bell, I'm going to take you behind the school and beat your head in. It's social media, social media bullying. Because kids live in this social media world. And we can say all day, but it's really not real. But to them, it's real. Because these kids have never lived without the Internet. They don't know anything. They think their life is, is all about the Internet. And so when one of their friends posts something bad about them on social media, it drives them back into anger and depression and all of these mental things that they're dealing with. And they're ashamed of it so they don't tell anybody. And the cycle goes on and on and on. And so they're dealing with things. The enemy, listen, we have to see the enemy behind this. We have to see that this, it's, the, it's been the enemy's schemes and tactics. And then we have to see the children of today the way the Lord sees them. We have to be willing to, to look at what's going on, but then turn to the Lord and ask him to give us eyes to see these children the way that he does so that we'll do something about it. Because we need to do something. Again, otherwise we just keep focusing on ourselves, make sure that we're blessed and we're taken care of and protected and satisfied. And then, you know, we understand that people are dealing with things, but we fail to see that we're part of the solution. God has put the body of Christ in on the earth in this time, in this period, to help this problem. I'm not saying that we created it, but I'm saying that we can be part of the solution. Even as a church, one of the points of our mission is to bridge cultural gaps. And part of that cultural gaps, I'm not thinking about black and white, I'm not thinking about Asian, I'm not thinking about Latino, I'm not thinking about, I'm thinking about generational gaps. Because there's, there's a culture within each generation. There's generational cultures. And I see our mission as a church is to bridge those generational cultures so that we have from, from the old to the young living together, loving one another and helping one another. If you're an older person, it does good to have younger people around you. I can say that. <laughs> It makes me feel a little bit younger. And now I realize why my great-grandmother would say, come up here and, 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 and let me hold you. She loved the life that I had in me. And I was drawn to her wisdom. And so for, for hours we would sit together and I would ask her questions. And I enjoyed that. I think as a, as a young person, I always enjoyed being with older people. Because I would learn. And so I'm not a real big talker when I'm around too many people. And, and so I listen more. And I've, I've, I've just always been that way. And so 
I wanted to be around people that knew more than me. Not to tell everybody what I knew, but to find out what they knew, right? Can you see? For this example that we need each other. The younger people need the wisdom that the older folks have. And the older folks need the energy that the younger ones have, right? And so there needs to be some bridging of the gap. And that, that to me, is, is a cultural, we're bridging the cultural gaps. One thing that we need to notice is that uh, things have changed. You know, a few years ago, I could not control my air condition at my house or here at the church with my phone. Now I can. I can shut off all these air conditioners right now with a touch of a button. Isn't that awesome? And people are saying, don't do it, Pastor, don't do it. <laughs> but I can turn on my security alarm and I can turn it off right here. I mean, this is awesome. It's great. We need to realize that things have changed. You know, a few years, it was just a few years ago that I had to rent a DVD put it in a DVD player to watch a movie. Now I can just stream it. How many streamed the movie last night? Yes. But, and I know it seems simple, but it's an indication that things have changed and dramatically and radically and quickly. So I'm saying, think about the changes of the past five years and then try to guess what's going to change in the next five years. You, you just can't do it. Because technology is changing at such a fast rate that things seem to be obsolete more quickly today than just five years ago. Do you agree? And so people are having a difficult time predicting what this next generation is going to be like. People are just trying to figure out now what generation Z is like. But before I go into the statistics of Generation Z, I want, I want us to go to the Word of God. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. I want us to see, above everything else, the heart of God for children. The heart of God. God has a heart for children. Matthew chapter 18, NIV version, chapter uh, 18, verse 1, beginning verse 1. Jesus is here. And it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So they were discussing, and I believe that they were discussing this long before they actually had the nerve to come to Jesus and say, who is the greatest in the kingdom? But look at Jesus' response to who is the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus called a little child to himself and placed the child among them, and he said, truly, I tell you that unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever, therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to stop right there. So, Jesus is saying, what he's saying is, Children want to learn. The characteristic of humility is a desire to learn. And Jesus is pointing that out in a child. And 
He knew that they were all wondering who's the greatest, who's the greatest, who's the greatest. Just those thoughts of who's the greatest shows that they were thinking with a prideful mind. Because if I'm, if I'm asking that question, who's the greatest, who's the greatest, who's the greatest, somehow I think that I'm up there, right? But Jesus brought them down with just the example of a, of a little child and said, listen, anybody that's going to get into the kingdom of heaven has to become like this one who is, who is humble enough to learn. The things about the children, they want to believe. They want to learn. That's why they stand b- beside you and they're attached to you and they're watching everything, everything. Everything you do, they're watching. Now, you can say what you want. Don't, don't ever say, do as I say and not as I do. That's, that's what my father told me. But he, he didn't have a relationship with Jesus when he told me that. Do as I say and not as I do. And I'm like, as a child, I'm like, that's not right. That's something, that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. But they're going to watch what you do more than what you say. Because they want to learn. God has put that in there. They want to learn. And they learn by observing. Observing. That's why teaching is different than training. Training says, I'm going to show you how to do something. And then you're going to do it and I'm going to watch you. Right? And it's not just I'm giving you a theory by the words of my mouth. I'm going to actually show you how this operates. There, there's, there's more involved with training, more time, more effort, more energy. And so God is, is telling us that children want to learn by saying that Jesus appreciates the humility of a child. But he also says something else here that's, that's very important. He says, whoever welcomes one of these such children in my name a welcome, welcomes me. So Jesus here in this statement, this is awesome. Jesus identifies with children. He is the defender of the innocent. God is the defender of the innocent. Jesus identifies with children. And Jesus says, when you pay attention to children in his name, you're paying attention to him. Do you see that? That it's so important for the church to see this in this day and this hour that when we as the church pay attention to children in the name of Jesus, then we're paying attention to Jesus. Jesus said that, didn't he? Jesus said that. Whoever welcomes such one such child in my name welcomes me. What What do you do when you welcome somebody? You pay attention to them. If I'm inviting you over to my house for dinner and I tell you 6.30 tonight, show up, I'm going to have steak. You like steak? Lobster tail with it too? Okay, lobster tail. I'm going to have my house welcome in a, in a place to welcome you. And then there, I'm going to go one extra step. I'm going to look out the window and, and, and find out when you're coming. So when you're coming up the steps, I, I don't want the doorbell to ring and you have to knock at the door five times before I'm coming to the door. Because you're the object 
of the evening, not the steak and not the lobster, is connecting with you. So Jesus says, when you welcome a child in my name, you're welcoming me. That puts it in a whole different light, right? Can you see that when we minister to children, it's, it's as if we're ministering to Jesus? And we're doing it for him? Can you see that? Do you make that connection? How important children are to Jesus. God's heart for children. We have to see this before we look at who this generation is. Because a generation without God produces what we're seeing today. But we've got to see the heart of God for this generation. We've got to, we've got to depend on him to give us a vision for change in this generation. So here's, here's Generation Z, or it's called the iGen, iGen, or iGeneration. Those who were born between the ages of approximately because there's discrepancies here and there, 1996 and 2012. That would put the ages between 7 years old and 23 years old. One of the primary things about this generation, and I'm talking about youth, is that they've never known life without the Internet or a cell phone. That's huge. I want to see how many hands in here, how many people, the hands of people in here that remember life without a cell phone, without the internet. Wow. Okay. That's great. That's, that's 75, uh, 80% of us. So can you even imagine, we could take five minutes and, and make some more points to try to get you to imagine life without the internet. But even in our trying, focusing on imagining life without the, with, you know, that we live in a, in a generation where we've never experienced the internet. They've never experienced the, the absence of the internet. That's, that's wild. That's why, that may be why your child gets really upset when the Wi-Fi goes down. Or the lights go out, and it's like, what are we going to do now? The lights are out. There's a thing called a candle. <laughs> we'll light the candle. We'll open a book. We'll read. <laughs> wow. What is that? <laughs> Listen, we could, even, we could even break out our old cassette tape players, as long as we have those big C batteries in there, <laughs> and play tapes. When the lights go out, right? <laughs> so, uh, 95% of teenagers have a smartphone. In 2017, Bill Gates said that the average age of a child that gets a phone is 10.3 years. So, just a little over a 10-year-old. I don't know where they get the research, but Bill Gates did it. In 2017, that was two years ago, and I think that number is, uh, that age is even creeping down even more because of various reasons, you can imagine. But a 10-year-old had a cell phone, smartphone, smartphone. 
So it's safe to say that 95% of teenagers have a smartphone and they spend most of their waking hours online. But parents, the, these companies still make dumb phones, which are uh, little flip phones that are used for making a call and texting. Just to let you know, in case you didn't know, in case your child is trying to persuade you that they have to have a smartphone. No, they don't have to have a smartphone. That they do make dumb phones. And I, I believe in the, in the coming years, they're going to be making more dumb phones. Because there's even some adults that would rather have a dumb phone than a smartphone. Just saying. This age group lives their life online. And they're addicted to seeing how many likes they have. And when they see a like on the social media, it shoots off dopamine, which is a feel-good hormone in their brain. And studies show that social media and this need for likes is changing the way that brains develop. Amazing at what they're finding out about what's going on with this generation. Generation Z has more access to pornography than any other generation before them. The majority have seen pornography online. In a culture where sexuality and gen gender are questioned, less than half consider themselves completely heterosexual. Think about that. Less than half consider themselves completely heterosexual. Clinical level depression jumped 67% among girls in the, pa in, in the past 10 years compared to 20% of boys. In 10 years' time, suicide rates for 10 to 14-year-old boys has doubled. The rate for girls in this age range have tripled. Post-Christian. After high school, more students leave church than stay in it. They don't see how the Bible is relevant to their lives. And during their school years, their lives are filled with activities. So much so, so that the average kid in the youth group in church only attends church 40 hours a year. So many high school seniors turn away from the faith uh, after, their after their graduation. And the reason is that no one's taught them how to have a relationship with Jesus. They've been told how to act, what to do, what not to do, but they haven't been shown how to have an intimate relationship with the Lord and how it applies to their life. And so the research has, has been done for these teenagers, and they ask them, who do, they, who do you look for for spiritual support? And hands down, they said that they look to their parents for spiritual support that they didn't go to their friends or youth leaders or adults in their church, but they followed what their parents did, not what their parents told them, their actions. And so we're at this place in time. I mean, I could go on probably for another hour of telling you these statistics, but they're all online, and I'm asking you to do some homework between now and whenever. Just, just go out and research on what... Uh, the challenges of this Generation Z, that what, what they're facing. And it's hard to imagine because we didn't face that, but they are.
Think about that the next time that you give your child unlimited access and unlimited hours on a device, whether it's a computer, whether it's a phone, whether it's a tablet or what have you. This should speak to, you know, the responsibility that we have as adults to find out how to filter. And it does speak to the church, our need to, to, to help parents be godly parents. And so that brings me to the last point. What can I do? Well, there's, there's three parts to this point, but what, what, what can I do? Pastor, I understand what you're saying. The Holy Spirit is moving on me, but what can I do? Number one, we have to wake up as the church. We have to wake up. The body of Christ can no longer bury our head in the sand and pretend that these problems don't exist. We can't just say, oh, we have the victory. Hallelujah. No. These children are dealing with death, life and death every day. What are we going to do about this? And it may be uncomfortable to talk about, but we have to address these things or we risk losing our young people to the world. I'm reminded of Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19 that the Lord said about Abraham. He says, for I, I've known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they will keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness and justice and that the Lord may bring Abraham to what he has spoken to him. So the Lord knew Abraham that Abraham would do the right thing. That he would train his children and his children's children after him to keep the word, to keep the commandments. And guys, that doesn't mean that we as parents just hand the Bible off to the child and say, go read. Figure it out for yourself. No, we teach them, we train them because the Bible is in our heart, our heart coming out of our mouth. And we're not telling them just what to do, and what not to do, but why. Why? Why is this important? Why is the truth important? Why should, should there be truth? And so we need to go back to being like Abraham, that God could know us, that we would command our children and our children's children after the Lord, that they may keep the way of the Lord. No, uh, another thing that we as the church must do is we've got to see our responsibility to, to, to train. Psalm 78, verses 2 through 4. Psalm 78, 2 through 4. New Living Translation says, For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories that we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these tr truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord and about His power and His mighty wonders. When was the last time that you took somebody in Generation Z from the ages of 7 to 23 and sat them down and told them about the mighty deeds of the Lord? Thursday. Good. Somebody's living intentionally, purposefully, creating a legacy, a heritage of our faith. Show them the what and tell them the why. Show them the what and tell them the why. God is so faithful and let me tell you why. My nephew came over last night. We ate together and I said, let's go for a walk. We walked around our neighborhood. I took the long way on purpose so that we could connect because I see that that is one of the answers. Connection. 
I was just telling them about how good God is. Not about me, but how good God is. Psalm 71, 18 says, Now that I'm old and gray, nobody look. <laughs> Do not abandon me, O God. Now, this, was, this, this wasn't a guy that was worried that God was going to abandon him. This was just a statement. Now that I'm old and gray, and you haven't abandoned me, O God, let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Is it our responsibility to tell this generation how good God is? And so the second point of what, what can we do, the church plus parents equal team. Together, everyone in accomplishes more team we're a team the church and the parents need to team up it's not all the church's job to to educate spiritually your child or to spiritually educate your child it's not all the parents job it is the church and the parents coming together to build that strong foundation of the word of god in the life of every child it's us together and the and the church has to has to teach parents how to parent in the power of the Holy Spirit. What it means to parent by in being empowered by the Holy Spirit. That, that you can't know everything from a book, but you can have the Holy Spirit in you teaching you and telling you and training you what to do with your child. If you're a parent that has already gone through parenting, then getting involved with your church and chaperoning on, uh, on, on trips where the youth go, going with them, is important. Volunteering, serving in children's ministry and youth ministry is valuable, guys and gals, <laughs> right? The next thing is to connect with them. We have to connect with them. If you have children or grandchildren, begin to spend time with them. Turn off the Netflix. Get off the Facebook and Instagram. And intentionally ask them questions and listen. The Generation Zs are crying out for attention from parents more than anything else. Their number one complaint and their number one prayer request is, can you please pray for my mom and dad? They're always on their phone. I want them to pay attention to me. Listen, parents, if you're always on your phone, what are you teaching your children to do? So we have no right to get upset with them if they're buried in the device. It starts with us to turn it off and say, hey, tell me how your day's going. What can we pray about? Let's connect. Everybody say the word connect. That's a, that's a good word. That happens with love. Because I'm more concerned about you than I am concerned about me. And because I've practiced the art of listening. The art of listening. These children are starving for relational connection. Because they don't have it. Even on this. The, the dopamine goes away over time. The likes, the, 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 the virtual relationships go away over time. 
They want to look in your eyes and feel your heart. So we have to connect with them. And let me just give you a, a hint. Parents and grandparents, quit comparing your day back in the day with their day. Well, back in the day, back in the day, back in the day, that sounds like in the good old days. Like these are the terrible days. And we may mean well, but listen to the way it sounds to them. You're saying to them that you wouldn't want to be a child in this day like they have a choice. Come on. Come on, guys. It's tough. It's tough. Every generation is tough. Every generation has its challenges. But we've got to quit comparing when we were as a child and when... Back when I was a child, I had to walk to school in, uphill two ways, <laughs> in the snow, <laughs> barefooted. <laughs> As if to say, quit complaining and just do what I tell you to do, right? <laughs> Come on. They just want a little empathy, a little love. And for you to show them that you're there for them. Help me when I'm down. Don't kick me when I'm down. Find out what they're dealing with. When we, when we talk about how big Goliath is in this generation, and our kids hear that, then they don't have any hope. Put yourself in their position. When we say things like, man, I sure wouldn't want to be a kid in these days, what, what does that say to them? I wouldn't either, man. I don't have a choice. Where's your faith? The Lord's saying, where's your faith? Is there not a cause? We've got to stand up to Goliath and say, no, not here, not our children, never. Right? No, not here, not our children, and never, uh, never. Not our children's children or our children's 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 children. How are your grandkids going to re remember you? By your faith or your fear? Are you leaving a spiritual legacy or just a financial legacy? Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't leave a financial legacy. That's great. That's awesome. That's scriptural. But what are they going to remember, uh, remember about you spiritually? What are we speaking? How are we praying? Are they going to remember you as a man or woman of faith, trusting in God? The next thing, we've got, we've got to take a risk on our young people. And I'm so thankful that we have taken a risk with our young people. We love young people serving. And the more they serve, the more they want to serve. Some of these young people up here, they don't want to leave. And because they're up here and because they're serving and because they're tuned in, we're making them leaders. And you think, well, man, you're taking a risk on young people, being leaders. Yes, but I'll take any young person and train them and teach them and be with them and help them get back up when they make a mistake. Then old people sitting on the sidelines saying, you can't do it that way. I wouldn't do it that way. I don't like that. Come on. <laughs> young people are like, come on, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it... <laughs> Let's just do it. Right? 
Take a risk. We've got to take a risk. Listen, the, the, business, the business communities are dealing with this too. Generation, Generation Z is, is coming in the workforce. They're already in the edge of the workforce. How do we deal with it? Take a risk on young people. Not because you want to, but because you need to. And we need to train them and not expect that they know what we know. That's, that's the whole thing about leadership. Trusting them builds, uh, builds a, a bridge to the next generation. Be there to catch them when they fall. And because we take a risk on them, they'll be open for correction. Right? That's one complaint that, that an older generation has about the younger generation. They just don't want to be corrected. But if you take a risk on them, then it opens their heart to be corrected. Right, guys? Their methods may not look like yours because there's different tools today. Well, that's not how we did it when we did it. Well, that was 20 years ago, guys. Things are different today. And then the last point, let's pray and intercede. Pray and intercede. And I left the best for last, the most powerful for last, but I'm, but I'm saying we shouldn't pray and intercede and expect that to do everything. That's not the only thing. We, we have to do more than pray and intercede, but we have to pray and intercede. While the world has become loud, the church has become silent. And most of the church are, are, are just standing there with our mouths open, looking at the size of Goliath and wondering, what do we do now? When the Lord is saying, hey, you're fit for battle. I've given you my armor. I've got, you've got a shield of faith. You've got a sword. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick up your sword. Let the word come out of your mouth like a two-edged sword. Go after the enemy. Take this generation for God. Take this generation for God. And so we need to pray. We need to love them enough to pray for them. And, and I found this to be true. The more that you pray for Generation Z, the more God will build that compassion in your heart for Generation Z. And you'll find yourself doing things out of your heart that will, will go before your head. You'll be thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I going out and buying uh, school supplies for some kid that's unfortunate or you understand what I'm saying you're going to be reaching out of your heart the more that you pray for this generation that it'll even bypass your head that's what prayer does when you reach out in faith and begin to pray that's why Jesus said pray for your enemies anytime you pray for someone God is building a, a love and a compassion for that person in you and so maybe you don't have a child that lives in, in Generation Z that's between the ages of 7 and 23. But when you begin to pray for this generation, I guarantee you God will build in you a heart for this generation. And then prayer always turns things around spiritually. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen says, If my people, and I want to back up to that word if, if my people, if my people, we could say, if my people do not pray, then how can I hear from heaven? How can I heal their land? We're co-laborers together with God. He expects us to pray, and then by his power, he moves. 
But the same is true if we don't pray. How can he move if we don't pray? It's got to be important enough for us to pray. Do we love this generation enough to pray for them? To love them? To do something for them? We have to wake up. And we have to stand up. And we have to fight for this generation. And if you're part of Lifeway Church, you're going to hear more and more and more and more about children. Children, children, children. So if you get tired of hearing about children, I'm just going to warn you. <laughs> because I see lots of children in Lifeway Church. And in order to see them, we have to pray for them. We have to be focused on them to build a place where children can come and be healed, be set free, be delivered, be empowered, be discipled, be equipped, and then the children are serving in the ministry. I want to say to every Generation Z person between the ages of 7 and 23, if you're serving in Lifeway Church, thank you from the very bottom of my heart. All of you guys, this young crew, thank you. Michael, thank you. Elizabeth Carson, thank you for investing, investing in these kids. I'm telling you, just in the past month, these guys will show up on Saturday morning, and they're like, let me cut the grass. No, 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 let me weed eat. No, 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 I want to blow the parking lot. No, 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 what else we need to do, Michael? We need painting, we're going to do, what are we going to do today? It's exciting. They want to do something. They want to do something. Okay, we're going to pray for this school year. We're going to pray over our children, but we're going to recognize some that are graduating up to the next class. Um, honey, will you come and we're going to... Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.